As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to The Audible, presented by Trader Joe's. I'm Bruce Feldman, joined, as always, by my colleague Stuart Mandel. Stu, there's a lot of stuff that has been gone on, even more than probably we were expecting, given all the stuff with COVID, as we ramp up to what we think will be the start of the season in a couple weeks. Uh, We're taping this on Thursday morning. On Wednesday, there was big news out of the NBA uh, given all that has gone on in the country, especially in Wisconsin of late, uh, the NBA did not have any games. And the players made a strong statement, and the league did as well. I mean, last night I turned on the TV after I put my daughter to bed, and it's like, we don't know if the NBA is going to play the rest of its season. There's a hurricane bearing down on Louisiana and Texas, and let's take a moment to send our thoughts and to everybody uh, in that part of the country and hope that you're staying safe. Um, the Republican convention was going on. Uh, there was, it was just like how much more can, can be squeezed in. You know, I've said it on Twitter. It's like every day feels like a, a year's worth of news these days. Yeah. I mean, on top of it, as, as you mentioned, you know, thoughts with everyone in Texas and Louisiana with the hurricane that bore down on, on, that region as well. Um, we're going to talk to our colleague Manny Navarro about things going on at UM. Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff as as that program is also dealing with things on 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 uh, the social justice front as well as how it is handling the pandemic as well as what's going on with them on the field. Stu, before we get to to Manny though, I, I thought. Your mailbag this week was different than normal because you addressed something that has kind of been the elephant in the room. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, it's something you and I have talked about uh, offline quite a bit and somewhat on here on the podcast. But I figured this is probably an ideal setting for you to maybe talk through this because I think if you've listened to the Audible, you kind of probably know Stu's feelings on some of these things. But if you read, uh, his mailbag this week. I think he had probably a, I don't want to call it an epiphany, but I think he, he probably came to a realization of something. And and I want you to kind of walk us through what went into writing that, because I know it probably wasn't easy for you to, to, to square. 
Yeah, I mean, I knew I, I needed to do something. Uh, I referred to it as a self-intervention. Uh, you know, the, this whole period um, has been a challenge in terms of covering, and, and, and both in articles and on Twitter, all the events, all the news related to COVID-19 and how it might affect the season, um, which is a very emotional and, and increasingly divisive topic. And I don't know when it first started, where I started getting a lot of feedback that, oh, you're being too negative. You're, you know, why do you, why are you rooting against college football? Why are you rooting against sports? And I was pretty dismissive of that for a while, um, you know, kind of feeling like, what do you, you know, what do you, what do you want us to ignore the news? Like there is, uh, there is, there's a lot of news that, that, you know, whether people want to hear it or not is, is possibly going to affect football. Um, but I also could just, I'm not somebody who usually gets angry all the time on Twitter and I could feel myself becoming that person. And I would get texts from you or from some of my friends like, Hey, you sure you want to do that? You know, um, you might be going a little bit too far. So I started catching myself a little bit more and, and I deleted a couple of tweets that I thought were too condescending. Um, but I think the, the, you know, the final maybe wake up call was, you know, I, uh, published on Monday, the preseason AP poll came out and I counted it up and there were 11 games that were originally supposed to be played that aren't being played anymore, uh, between teams that made the preseason top 25, right? Ohio state, Oregon is a pretty obvious one, Oklahoma, Tennessee. And I thought it'd be a fun column to go ahead and just predict like how those games would have played out seemingly pretty innocent fun column but the comments were uh, a whole lot of well congrats you got these games canceled or you know when are you going to try to get the rest of the conferences canceled like this is no longer just a few twitter trolls these are our readers so and then those comments would get a bunch of thumbs up so you know I don't want to. I don't want to be the angry, na- negative, you know, guy on Twitter all the time. I had. I've been really getting fired up over. I mean, I just think, forget football. I just think, you know, I've I found myself gravitating toward um, all the stories about UNC and Notre Dame and, and Alabama had five hundred something cases, and um, that is that's big news. Um, but it's one thing to pass along information or uh, report on information. It's another to lecture people about the state of the pandemic so you know i talked to a lot of people about this you friends of mine um trying to get a sense of like what's going on why am i why am i why do i keep it's like a bad compulsion and somebody said you know look people are going to agree or disagree uh, about covid but you know have you made an effort to to actually even if you you disagree with what they're saying or or how they're they're responding to you have you taken time to actually think about where they're coming from what their perspective is on this and i thought you know i guess i haven't done a good enough job of that um and the reality is like i you know we're in california i'm in the bay area the bay area has probably been the slowest in the whole country to reopen fully we've never uh, gotten to the point of reopening restaurants indoors and um, i think outdoor gatherings are very limited and and just in our household, like we, um, we've, we've treaded very cautiously this whole time. And I think, you know, everybody handles their, their fears or concerns about the virus in different ways. And unfortunately, I think my fears were seeping into my tweets. So that's why I addressed it off the top of the mailbag. I said, Hey, 
you know, I realize that other parts of the country, people are, you know, high school football games are being played and my brother in Cincinnati play his, he's in a band, a nineties covers band. They played a show in a bar this past weekend. Um, not everybody is in the situation and the circumstances that I am. And because of that, I get that like some of these things I tweet about COVID are take on, um, heightened emotion like they feel i look i promise you i assure you i am not trying to bring down college football. i want to watch college football you know you can have your conspiracy theories that i definitely that is definitely not it but i would be lying if i said i'm not nervous about what if this goes wrong you know what if what if something really bad happens from them uh you know attempting to play college football so um but you know my perspective on it is different from somebody else's perspective on it so uh, I said, let's, if you're, if it's okay with you, let, let me hit the reset button. I'll be more mindful of my tone going forward. I'm not going to ignore news. I mean, NC state had to postpone their first game. Uh, we've had a couple teams that it's come out. They've had position groups wiped out in practice by COVID protocols. Like we can't ignore that. Um, that's going to affect the season, but it doesn't mean I have to, to go on rants and angry tweets about it. Yeah, I think one thing that has happened with Twitter, and I would say it's probably more people's Twitter than what they necessarily write, and I'm not saying that's everybody, but I think in this case it probably is that. And so I noticed something, and this isn't really directly related to you, but I noticed something in one of the comments underneath uh, something I had tweeted out, which was just straight, whatever, you know, this particular school uh, had reported. Can I interrupt you for a second? Yes. (laughs) This is my favorite. You you love you love to tell stories that you forget you've already told. You told the same story on the podcast last week. You know what I'm about to say? Yeah, that you tweeted that there were four positives and somebody said. Yeah, that's there? right. Shit, I did. I, okay. <laughs> this happens all the time. You always start telling me stories. I'm like, yeah, you told me that already. Okay, fair enough. To that point about so so at first Lincoln Riley said that um, they had a almost all of a position group. You know, they they're not saying specifically which one, but. Um, either they either tested positive or they had to quarantine because of close contact and then um, the LSU media reported that that's happening with LSU right now like this has always been the concern like health and safety is first so I don't want to say like putting aside health and safety but there's two components to this right it's can we do this safely but also the logistics of if you know protocol and quarantining and what defines close contact like can really disrupt practice we're still enough far away from the games that if it disrupts their practice for a few days it's not the end of the world but like this is going to happen in the season like how are coaches trying to manage this i think that's something when you talk about how the playoff committee is going to handle things it's like okay what happens if a team that is a top five kind of team has one position room decimated for two weeks and loses somebody people don't think they have any business to losing and then they get back to full strength for the last half of the season does the playoff committee just kind of shrug their shoulders over that game as if it doesn't count I mean you're right I I think this has the potential for happening in a you know anywhere so how does it get managed and you know how much do you cross train guys because Look, does that mean you may have some third or fourth team defensive linemen playing right guard in a game? Or does that mean 
you could have a option quarterback from high school who's now your nickelback be the quarterback and run wildcat for a game because that's all that's their best option um i don't know it's that's i i feel like Stu. that's part of the rabbit hole that has always been here with this because there's been so many other pressing issues um as it relates to what's going to happen in this pandemic well, you're you're talking about like that the games actually get played and the committee has to evaluate the results. You know, I think all from from the from for months now. Bob Bowlesby is really the first one to start talking about this, but but everybody acknowledged like games may have to get canceled. That's why these conferences built their schedules the way they did. I believe the SEC left open an entire week uh, before the conference title game, uh, but they won't always be able easy to make up because. Nobody has yet explained. Nobody has yet come out and said like what the threshold would be for canceling a game, and and you can tell like just how differently the. I remember there before the Big Ten shut down, Northwestern paused their workouts because of one COVID positive test. Meanwhile, Texas Tech this week announced they have twenty one positive cases right now, and they're still practicing. Twenty one active cases, yeah, yeah. Um, and but part of that is like it's one thing if it's twenty one cases spread kind of evenly across the roster. But in the case of what we're talking about with Oklahoma and LSU, like you would get to a point where it just wouldn't be safe to to go out and play, right? If you if you can't, you know, you, you can't be putting out guys on the offensive line who who aren't just aren't ready to play or or you know could risk injury. Like there's there's going to be it's going to vary from situation to situation. But like I don't think it's like okay, well you've still got. You only lost nine guys. You've still got 74 more. You can play. I mean, there's going to be certain situations where it's just not safe to play. Right. So what is that dialogue? Let's use let's use um, Oklahoma as this example then. How does that baked into the schedule? Where does, does Joe Stiglione, the AD, go to Bob Bowlesby and go, look, we can't we can't feel the team competitively for injury risks we would like to it's almost like we'd like to use our 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 pass here and say look we're gonna have to play this game in the last week of the season now who knows if that other team who doesn't have the game well then all of a sudden they're not gonna play that game now they're gonna they're gonna say hey we didn't have the 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 active cases but because this our opponent does we're gonna have to play that late in the season then what happens if you know, a month from now, the team that, you know, didn't have the issue but has to reschedule the game, now they have their own issue. I think that's one of the challenges that the conference commissioners are going to have to sort out as it relates to need, and maybe it just comes down to who has the issue first and how do they square it. Yeah, and if you, I'm looking at the Big 12 schedule now, so you can tell where they are trying to protect some of the key games. Oklahoma, Texas is October 10th. Both Oklahoma and Texas have a, a, an off week the very next week, right? So if that game has to get delayed, it can get delayed. But there's other ones. Let's see. Oklahoma plays TCU on October 24th. Oklahoma and TCU uh, do not have a common open date. That game would just have to get canceled. And nobody has yet explained. You know, we've, we've I've, I've lamented many times about kind of the lack of cohesiveness on all this. But nobody, as far as I know, no conference has come out and said, like, this is how it would work, right? The school would say to the conference, we don't think we can play this week. Who decides, okay, that game's going to be rescheduled? Or maybe the other team says, no, you should have to forfeit. Uh, we're ready to go. Why should we Why should we have to play one less game? So 
Uh, I don't know. Nobody's fully come out and said that. They're going to have to come out with that soon because, by the way, there is uh, – well, there's one FCS game this weekend, and then the first FBS games are a week from tonight. Uh, and ESPN just put out their schedule for – I don't know if we're calling September 5th week zero or week one. There's not a lot of games, but I guess technically it's week one. Arkansas State Memphis primetime Saturday night September 5th so I mean it's here then there's not a lot of time left to make these decisions I mean these decisions about protocols on how to handle this stuff man they they better hurry up Stu do you know who Robert Rochelle is Robert Rochelle no so he was a top 15 freaks list guy for me and he's about 6'1 he his vertical broad jump stuff are off the charts impressive well, he's going to be a guy, and his school is going to get a lot of a, uh, added attention this year, especially in the first month or so of the season. Uh, he has a couple of, of TV games, and it also will play UAB, which has a stud receiver who's another freaks list guy, Sammy Watkins' first cousin, Austin, at UAB. He's a good receiver. And also, Central Arkansas is going to play Trey Lance's school, North Dakota State, in that game. And I think one of the things that will probably happen, and maybe this is this is the, the wonky side of me in this, but I do think because we're not going to have Big Ten games, we're not going to have Pac-12 games, you're going to try to, you know, I think a bunch of football fans will end up gravitating towards some of these typically off-the-radar games now that there's added spotlight on them. At least those are some things that I am looking forward to. I mean, to Central Arkansas, When I, we, we have this schedule on the site that we're constantly updating because games are constantly being added. Notre Dame USF just got added today. Um, Central Arkansas is all over it. They So, you know, a lot of these FCS teams are trying are going to play their one or two buy games, and then that's it for the fall. North Dakota State's literally playing that one game in the fall uh, to give – Trey Lance his his you know exposure opportunity but Central Arkansas is the rare one that went ahead and, and filled out a whole schedule like they're they're playing regardless the rest of their conference isn't playing they're playing uh, it's been really fascinating to watch teams pull together these schedules on very short notice Army just uh, just completed their 12 game schedule as an independent despite having lost uh, I believe eight of the 12 original opponents BYU's back up to eight games um and then, like, you know, the, the American teams, they're still playing, uh, I think, their full non-conference slate, so they've had to find new dates. It's been, you know, like I've said many times, I think it's ridiculous. They schedule these non-conference games 10, 15 years in advance, and we are, in fact, finding out you can do it on, like, 17 days' notice. All right, Bruce, what do you say we get to our guest? Let's do it. Okay, Stu, back to the podcast in a minute. But first, a word from DoorDash. So you want Chinese. They want pizza. Someone else is is craving Froyo. And I know that's probably Stu, of course. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. You've counted on restaurants. Now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app. Choose what you want to eat and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Right now, our listeners at The Audible can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code AUDIBLE. 
That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code AUDIBLE. Don't forget, that's code AUDIBLE for $5 off on your first order with DoorDash. Okay, Stu, now we're pleased to be joined by our guest. He's our colleague uh, from South Florida, Manny Navarro. He not only covers UM Miami very well, but he also has covered the heat during the playoffs, so he has a a unique perspective on that. Manny, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, So I want to start with this. So obviously the COVID story as it's still evolving is something we can get into in a second. But I did notice with the news in the coming out of the NBA at first uh, on Wednesday in the wake of everything that's gone on in Wisconsin, uh, the coach you cover, Manny Diaz, seemed to be one of the first college football coaches to weigh back in on on all that has gone on. What is What has been the reaction down there of the dialogue that's going on within the UM and around the Miami community with in terms of players and coaches there. Yeah, I think Manny has recognized early on uh, the importance to speak out on what's been happening in our country. Um, you know, I wrote a story back in, in June uh, when Manny and the athletic department organized a uh, sort of a session where they would all get together and kneel for eight minutes and 40 seconds in light of what happened with George Floyd and they had, you know, athletes from all different sports, coaches from all different sports there to sort of ceremoniously um, recognize what had happened to George Floyd and to speak out against it. And I think Manny has just sort of carried that momentum uh, for the last few months and saying, hey, we need to speak out against this. We need to be at the forefront, not somebody who sort of follows Um, what other people are doing and I think in college football what we've seen is um, we've seen players speak out in different parts of the country obviously what happened at at Oklahoma State earlier this year and um, and I think Manny sort of wants to send the message to recruits and the players that hey we are with you we we support this movement against social injustice and racial uh, profiling and injustice they don't they don't want that and they and they want it they want everybody to know that they are with the players and supporting the cause and that this is wrong. And so, um, you know, Manny getting on Twitter and doing that did not surprise me in the least because he, he really feels strongly about this issue. Of course, his father was a politician, um, you know, and, and so Manny has, has grown up around politics. He knows it well, and he knows that uh, sending messages early on um, is important. And, and so I think that's really the motivation for a lot of this. Yeah, I mean... When when the the protests over George Floyd's first started, and 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 kind of the the summer of Black Lives Matter, uh, be, you know, of athletes everywhere um, wanting to get their voices heard, uh, we saw you know you can just tell like certain college coaches were able to grasp the significance quicker than others, and you know whether it was Mike Gundy, Davo Sweeney took some criticism that they weren't as responsive. Manny Diaz strikes me as somebody, not just because of who he is, but you can't be the coach in Miami of all places, one of the most diverse places where there is major college football, and, and bury your head in the sand and say, you know, we're focused on, on football practice. You know, how important is it in, in particular for the coach of Miami to be uh, on the same wavelength as his players? It's critical. I mean, I look, I was born and raised in the city, so I, I've I've 
this is all I've known most of my life. Professionally, I've, I've traveled and been to a lot of other cities, but this is where I've been born and raised. And going into African-American neighborhoods, covering high school sports, getting to know those athletes, um, they have lived this for a long time. And I know this movement has started within the last few years to to stop social injustice and, and, and to get people to become more aware of what's been happening for years. But I, I can tell you, being the white guy in, in the stadium, the, the one of the few white guys in a stadium for a Miami Northwestern or a Miami uh, Central football game, and and people look and they notice, oh, look, look who it is, you know, and you stand out and, and, and there's sort of this feeling of, um, you know, I don't want to say fear, but always just you're separated, right? That, that's been an issue in our city for a long time, even as diverse as it's been when the white police officers come around. Um, there is sort of an acknowledgement, OK, wait a minute, we got to pay attention. And I think for years, as somebody who just lived in the city, I noticed those things, but it never really struck home for me because I didn't. I went back to my home in, in the white neighborhoods, right? And, and in the Latin American community, we didn't face the things that they felt, they felt in the black community. And I think Manny Diaz, you know, recognized that if, if you're going to be a coach and you're going to be somebody who's a leader, you really need to talk to your players and you really need to understand where they're coming from. And in this community that's produced so many great NFL athletes um, and major league baseball players and basketball players, um, you, if you're really connected to the kids and you really care about them, then you're going to fully invest in what's happening in their lives, not just sort of enjoy what they can give you as a coach, as an athlete, you know, and, and, and take their, their athletic gifts. I think Manny Diaz understands that to, to connect with your athletes, you really need to get to know them. And that's what he's done. He's gone in to those neighborhoods for years as a recruiter when he worked at other college programs. And and he understands what it's like to grow up in the city. He's He's seen the struggles that have gone on. Uh, for many of his athletes, and and it's important to him. Manny, how do you think the the kids and the the players themselves are coping with everything that's gone on? I mean, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on as well is because South Florida has been a COVID hotspot, and yet it seems like, from by all accounts, University of Miami football program has not had any of the outbreaks or the low number of the, the uh you know i saw what a couple of weeks ago there was zero positive cases and um so how do you how do you think the program itself and the players are coping not just with the challenges of uh that are going on around the country but also with dealing with uh just so much uncertainty with 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 the virus the regular students are coming back you're around the team what is the climate like on that front i think the players have really bought into manny saying hey this is sort of a united deal if 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 one of you guys gets sick and you come back and you spread it to the rest of us goodbye season goodbye um opportunity here and you know i think he's he's been able to connect and, and probably because of the deep relationships he's built through what's been going on through the rest of the country and being outspoken i think he's really gotten his players attention to buy into you know, being smart about where you're hanging out and what you're doing. Um, and, and the kids are really policing each other, you know, and making sure that, hey, uh, don't go to that party that you see happening, you know, down down the hall in, in the other building. Don't, you know, don't sort of make the mistake because you're going to cost it, you know, cost us the season. And and so um, he's had success. Three, three consecutive cycles without any positive tests. They've only had three positives uh, from my reporting, from what I've been able to gather. Of course, they're a private school, so they don't 
come out and announce these these uh, findings. Um, but um, I, yeah, I think he's done a really good job of just getting the the, the, the kids to really buy into it. And um, you know, going forward, um, will it stay that way? I don't know. I mean, uh, we know a football season once once you lose a game or two. Um, you could lose some players and, and they might not care as much. But right now, I think everyone is fully invested in, in, in sort of policing each other and making sure that nobody gets sick and, and that they're able to play this season. It's interesting because the ACC right now has the most schools who are facing uh, issues related to COVID testing. NC State, obviously, I mean, has already had to postpone its opener a week. Uh, because we don't know the number, but clearly a lot of cases in that program, UNC, the school has had to uh, send students back home. Uh, you would think Miami, being where it's located, you know, not a small college town, would would be vulnerable to something like that. And yet, by all indications, uh, I believe they've had zero positive tests for, for, you know, for several weeks now. I mean, is that giving people confidence maybe that, you know, if you're somebody who's thought, oh, this is never going to work, uh, how are you going to have a college football season with all this going on? That it seems like Miami might be the model right now for, for how to do it. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think if you're going to get students to buy in, you got to really make them feel like you care about them. And, and I think Manny Diaz has done that. He's gotten these kids to really believe that he is for them and, and really has their best interest at heart. And, and what I've heard from parents um, around the program is that, you know, Manny would reach out to them and, and talk to them uh, if he's concerned about, uh, you know, hey, who is this guy hanging out with? What is he doing? And, and, and I think from that, it's sort of extended to the players policing themselves. It's just it, it's right now he's he's handled it the right way. But again, once games get going and, and once the season gets going, it's going to be interesting to see how how committed everyone was. Because, look, I, I didn't forget about what happened last season when they were six and seven. And you had some of the issues that you had with Jaron Williams at quarterback and maturity issues and guys sort of letting the season slip away. Um, you know, to me, um, if you're a Miami fan, while everything has been great so far, uh, they kind of have to prove it during the season to me that they're going to continue this commitment because those kids covering South Florida for as long as I have. And, and basically, this roster is very much composed of South Florida athletes. Um they those kids buy into uh, things in the beginning, but getting their full commitment all the way through is a different story. So we'll see as the, as the year goes on how committed those guys are to avoiding the parties and and maintaining what Manny Diaz the, the standard Manny Diaz has for them right now. Back to the podcast in a second, but first, Bruce, chicken ribs, chicken that tastes like ribs, and it really does. Right. And one of the best things about it, it is healthy barbecue. And what does that mean, Stu? It means 75% less fat and calories than traditional pork ribs. Uh, Stu, we both had had it. And the thing that I really liked was it was very filling. Uh, I thought it was really good cuts of chicken. And it had some really good flavor. I was, I don't say pleasantly surprised, but I was very pleased with what, with, uh, with what a longtime listener of the show, and I think we're burying the lead there, the fact that uh, a diehard college football fan who has listened to this show for many years is now a proud sponsor, and, and we couldn't be happier about that. It's a perfect natural fit. It also, it's great. You know, if we're allowed to tailgate this year, it's great for tailgating. It's free two-day shipping nationwide. Vacuum package right from the smokehouse. I just, you can just take it. It was in the packaging, individual wrap, you know, portions, and you can just 
stick it right in there and boil it without even thawing it. I did that the first time. And then the second time I put it in the oven, made it a little crispier. I think that's the way to go. You can throw it on the grill or if you're Andy Staples and you've got an air fryer, go for it. Great barbecue takes time, but chicken ribs makes it easy. Fully cooked from the smokehouse, chicken ribs are authentic barbecue ready in just minutes. Go to www.chickenribs.com and use code AUDIBLE to get $10 off plus free two-day shipping. Who doesn't love perfectly smoked meat for the big game, whether at home or the tailgate? That's chickenribs.com, code AUDIBLE for $10 off plus free two-day shipping. Let's pick up on a little of that on the season. You mentioned a lot of the ki- the nucleus is South Florida kids, but a couple of the more high-profile additions to the team are guys who are from far away. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of attention. Uh, UM struggled, as you said, for a long time at the quarterback spot. Derek King was a big recruit. There's a new offense with Rhett Lashley. Uh, on the other side of the ball, you lose arguably the best pass rusher in the country in Greg Rousseau. Jalen Phillips, who was a former number one recruit in the country, uh, just from talking to him a little bit, seems like he's revitalized and re-energized at UM. Maybe he's the answer to pick up. They already have uh, another stud transfer that came in from Temple on the other side. So what's a realistic expectation for this team that, as you said, really looked uh, was a mess at the end of last year in the bowl game, especially. So, what do we? What do you think Miami fans should expect from this team in 2020? Well, five of their seven losses last year were were by a touchdown or less, and they didn't really have a kicker uh, after the second week of the season. Bubba Baxa kind of just disappeared off the face of the earth. Um, they didn't even attempt a field goal from from more than 40 yards out. They went out and they got Jose Borregales, which I think was a huge addition. Um, you know who was playing at FIU across the street at FIU, and his brother is a Miami commitment part of the next recruiting cycle. And um, so I think the change at kicker alone is going to help them tremendously. Um, But when you go out and you get De'Eric King to run the offense that Rhett Lashley has installed here, this hurry-up offense that's going to really start to highlight the strengths of the players on this team because, uh, look, Miami's always had speed, and athleticism at the skill positions. I think last year that offense that Danny Enos ran was just far too confusing for some of these kids. They don't need it to be very complicated. They can run five or six routes, get open, get in space, and make plays. And that's essentially what this offense is meant to do. So I think things can turn around really quickly. The ACC outside of Clemson is not very strong. We've known that, right? You've had seven different uh, coastal division winners in the last seven years. So I think if you solidify the quarterback position um, like you have with De'Ara King, you have the athletes. Miami's can, they have talent on this roster. There, there are first-round grade guys on this team. Now, it's not what it was when Miami was at its highest levels competing for championships, but certainly good enough to, in my opinion, win the majority of their games um, outside of Clemson. Uh, I think that's the one opponent you look at on paper and you say, okay, that's a game where they're going to be outgunned. Clemson's a better team. They've got Trevor Lawrence. It's a road game. I think the rest of the games are all winnable. Will Miami show up and win all of those games? Probably not. I mean, they've they've proven in the past to have letdowns and not show up um, since they've been in this conference. But I, I look at it as an opportunity for them to have a quick turnaround because of the change in scheme and because they've got a kicker 
Um, I know the loss of, of Gregory Rousseau was it was big, but defensive end really is one of the positions of strength in terms of depth. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jalen Phillips and, and Quincy Roche. Um, I, they really feel good about Jafari Harvey, who's a redshirt freshman, and, and Chance Williams, who's a true freshman. Those were very highly rated pass rushers coming out of high school, and Harvey's been a terror here in these first couple scrimmages. So I, I think they're set up to have a really good, successful season. Um, but again, I, <laughs> having uh, watched what, what, what happened last year up close and seeing players sort of just disappoint and let you down, I, I, I can't fully commit to saying this is going to be the year that Miami wins 10 or 11 games and, and shocks the nation. But I think they can get close to that. It's, I mean, I can, t- I can just sense people listening to this right now who are not Miami fans kind of rolling their eyes because, I mean, it's been like 15 years of nope this this is going to be the year trust us this is going to be the year and then no and you know and i think they really teased people in 2017 when when they demolished notre dame in that primetime game it really did feel like wow miami is back and then even that season ended poorly so it is you know it's, it's interesting we're sitting here talking with a lot of excitement about a team that literally the last time they played got shut out in a bowl game by a conference USA team. I mean, just one of the worst, you know, give up performances I've ever seen. Um, but I don't, I mean, I, I can't emphasize that. If De'Ara King plays like he did two seasons ago, which now feels like 20 years ago, by the way, but in 2018 at Houston, he was responsible for 50 touchdowns. He was a top 10 rated passer in the country. So to go from the, you know, just that, they, they've just been, um, you know, so mediocre quarterback the last couple of years to upgrade to him. If he's that kind of guy, if he can play like he did two years ago, I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's absolutely reason to be optimistic. I, I do think there's some skepticism because, well, you know, he played the four games and then redshirted last year. And, um, you know, is he, is he really going to be able to get back to that form? But you did a really extensive feature on him recently you know, you know what you've, you've talked to people. You know what he's looked like in practice. It sounds like he really could be that difference maker. Mike Rumpf, who's the cornerbacks coach at Miami, was a part of that 2001 uh, national championship team. Which now you talk about how long ago that was, how long it's been since Miami's been in the national title picture. Um, Mike talked a lot about just how gifted Derek is as far as being able to look at all of the reads on the field and throw to a spot and to really lead his receivers to where they need to go. And I, I think, you know, he called it a gift that you see at the next level. Mike was a first-round pick in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers, so he played the game at the highest levels. He knows what that looks like. At Jaron Williams last season couldn't do half of the things that Derek King can do on a football field. So, again, I, the five losses by seven points or less, no kicker, um, you know, the issues you had on the offensive line, having to play two true freshmen, starting one at left tackle for the whole season and another one at right guard uh, for 12 games, those aren't issues this year. Um, they their, their, their offensive line has gotten older. They picked up Jared Williams, who's a, an important transfer from Houston, was a starter there with De'Eric King. He's going to be your right tackle. Um, from talking to Garen Justice, I know he's really excited, the new offensive line coach at Miami, who, who's done a good job the places he's been. Um He's really excited about John Campbell, their left tackle, who was sort of the sixth man in the offensive line last year. He's going to be their left tackle. Um, you know, this thing is headed in the right direction in in terms of 
everything. I mean, the quarterback position, the play calling. Um, I, I think they have the right combination now. Again, those two, it's it's like you said, you've been hearing this for years. Um, let's see them actually do it on the field. And and But that De'Aaron King can be special. And, and I think, you know, you look at the ACC, um, the, the, the teams with the best quarterbacks uh, have the best chance to win. And that was the case last year with Virginia. I think everybody looks at Sam Howell now in North Carolina and says the same thing. Well, North Carolina can be really good. Obviously, we've seen what Clemson has done with Trevor Lawrence. I think De'Aaron King is on that level. He is an elite college quarterback who can make a lot of plays in a lot of different ways. And, and so I think you have to be uh, somewhat enthusiastic if you're a Miami fan that, that this thing really could improve quickly. To me, Stu, I think it really comes back to uh, you got to get to be good before you can be great. And Miami's had enough talent and spots where they could be dangerous in a game and get you optimistic. But the talent level, to me, had dropped off so much since maybe 2005 where you just had waves of guys. And to me, that meant waves of guys on the practice field and it was more competitive environment. And I just felt like it was a different dynamic. And over time, it's not to say that they don't ha- they haven't had a, l- a bunch of good players, because they certainly did. But I feel like that's where it has lagged. And then, to me, when everybody dro- you know, kind of drops the rope, like what happened last season, as Manny was talking about, I feel like that's where you go from being a mediocre team to be a real dud. And so I think it's just a case of Miami. Like that, that team a couple of years ago that blew out Notre Dame, look, a credit to Manny Diaz was the defensive guy on that side of the ball. And, but I felt like they were ha- half a team. They were, they were very good on defense. And on the other side of the ball, they were lacking. And they have just been so underwhelming on offense for so long that I, I feel like it's one thing you can be in. If Miami is an 8-4 and four team, you know, there's people going, they're not close to what they used to be. If, if another team is eight and four, if Georgia Tech is eight and four, if, uh, you know, if Iowa's eight and four, if, if Cal's eight and four, if even if uh, like TCU is eight and four, I don't think people, it gets on people's radar. But to Miami, it's like, okay, that's them. Like they need to build up that before I think they can take that big step forward. And right now, I mean, to me, there's a there's a, just a talent gap between them and the teams that are playing as as playoff contenders, right? I mean, Miami could certainly be the second best team in the ACC, but I think as Manny just said, I mean, the gap between Clemson, who's a legit powerhouse, and everybody else right now in that league is significant, and Miami's got to take that next step to even get to where they can be on the same field. It's not to say they can't beat somebody week to week, but... To me, that's the part that I think, you know, right now UM is dealing with and and all the external stuff as it relates to football. I think, you know, you just got to kind of plow through it at this point and have some continuity because they haven't had a lot of continuity in a long time. Right, Manny? Yeah, I mean, you keep changing coordinators and and head coaches and and it's just been sort of a revolving door here um, since the Nevin Shapiro scandal. I mean, really, Randy Shannon, I thought, had come in. He had secured one of the best recruiting classes in the country, and you felt in 2008 that, okay, this thing's going to get started again. Randy's going to get this going, but he couldn't figure out the offensive coordinator job. I don't think Miami was spending a whole lot of money then on assistant coaches. And, and you know, ever since 
the Al Golden uh, situation where, you know, he had to deal with Nevin Shapiro. It was kind of like, okay, now you've got to recover uh, from, from, from that scandal and, and, you know, catch up to everybody else again. And, and then Mark Rick comes in and you feel good. Okay, you got the experienced head coach. He's going to, you know, he, gets, he has that great start to the 2017 season and then it falls apart again because you don't have a quarterback to sort of take the mantle from Brad Kaya. And, and so, you, you know, you, you, you sputter through the last two seasons. And I think Manny, again, it's a good point, Bruce. You know, look, they, they've continued, and I did a big article on this back around the draft, but they've continued to have, uh, in terms of NFL draft picks, they've continued to put out um, top 10 type numbers, top 15 type numbers in college football. The issue is you just don't have the same number of first-round picks. They had four first-round picks in the last decade. I mean, four for the University of Miami. That was like a year. They would have four first-round picks in a year during their glory days. And so it's not the same level of elite upper echelon talent. And and so uh, I think Diaz has done a really good job with this 2021 recruiting class. I think COVID-19 has helped them out a ton. A lot of these South Florida kids have not been able to go around the country and get wooed by the Ohio States and Clemsons and everybody else because, uh, you know, the recruiting situation where nobody can go and make official visits. So I, I think if he can hold on to this recruiting class, put together a good season, then two years from now, when when, when these kids are growing up in, in these recruiting classes, then maybe Miami's in a position where they can legitimately contend with Clemson for a college football playoff spot. But it's headed in the right direction. Um, I just think Manny needs to have a good season here. You can't you can't kind of have what happened last year where it fell apart at the end. He needs to have these kids bought in from beginning to end. And I think if he does that, then uh, then I think he's got a chance here to be successful. Well, as we wrap up here, believe it or not, everybody, Miami opens. We're recording this on a Thursday. Miami opens two weeks from tonight. They host UAB. They are the first Power Five team scheduled to play a game. And and so Manny, it, so. We can tell based on kind of our 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 some of our numbers to our articles that like not everybody fully believes yet that the see that you know it's it's close, but yet I think ever since the Big Ten Pac twelve announcement, there's a segment of the public who's kind of like, oh, I'll believe it when I see it that there's actually going to be college football. But two weeks from tonight, like around town, do are people like is it full bore? You know, it's football season. It's here, or is there? Are people not sure what to think yet? Like, what's it like? Yeah, I just wrote a story earlier this week about um, what they're going to do at Hard Rock Stadium in terms of fans for for both the Dolphins and the Hurricanes. And, you know, I, I think the majority of the season ticket holders that I reached out to, it was sort of like, are they really going to play? <laughs> like, that's still the question that's, that everybody's saying, well, yeah, if they play, right? Like, I, I don't think anybody's going to buy in until the ball literally gets kicked off the tee. They're, that's when they're going to start to believe that there will be a football season. Because it's just what's happened the last few months with COVID and the number spiking and, and going back and forth. You kind of had this roller coaster ride down here. Um I just think there's so much skepticism that it's going to happen. Everybody just sort of thinks, well, somebody's going to test positive and, and you know, they're going to lose De'Ara King and five other guys and that's it. They're not going to be able to play a game. And, and you know, so far, so good. We're two weeks away and nothing's happened yet. Nothing bad, seriously bad has happened yet. Um, and, and so I think once 
the ball is kicked off, then maybe we'll start to see people come back and, and, and not only pay attention to football, but start reading more of my hurricane stories. Because you're right. I think a lot of them are just like, yeah, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, Manny, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, stay safe and encourage everybody to keep up with your coverage, whether you're a Miami fan or not. Um, Manny's been a great addition to the athletic and the athletic in South Florida, especially. So, Manny, thanks again for joining us on the Audible today. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Bruce. uh, We're out of time for today. We yet again did not get to the mailbag, but part of that was we just didn't get a lot of questions. And I guess I don't blame you guys. We keep ignoring it, so you maybe have stopped submitting them. But here's my my proposal. Here's my um, idea. Send your emails to theaudiblepod at gmail.com. Our episode next week, by the time it hits, it'll, it, will t- it will officially be college football season. Ask us football questions. <laughs> you know, I, I get it. All our, our Everybody's been consumed by are they going to play, are they not going to play, how's it going to work. We've all been consumed with that for months, and so it's no surprise that most of our mailbag questions are about that, about the Big Ten's decision and whatnot. There's a season. It's happening. It's on, it's on schedule for now. You know, Manny said that they'll, Miami fans will believe it when they see it. I think a lot of other people are like that too, but... If you've got questions about your team, about teams that are still playing, uh, NFL prospects, recruiting, fire away. AudiblePod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. If you enjoy the Audible, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review and a rating if you could, too. It helps us get the word out. Our producer is John Hayes. Our theme song is Dangerous by Kevin and the Octaves. You can download their music on Spotify or Apple Music. Follow me on Twitter at SL Mandel. Follow Bruce at Bruce Feldman CFB. And if you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, what are you waiting for? You can get 40% off an annual subscription by using this link, theathletic.com slash theaudible. That's 40% off your subscription to The Athletic. 